everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, good morning. How are we doing? We alive? Can we give Monica a hand? We appreciate her coming up. I know sometimes, man, it's, so, it's tough to come up and do these connect cards, the announce, you know, especially when you kind of get into December and people are like still a little bit hungover from the Thanksgiving leftovers. And then you, you start getting in a sugar coma because of all the Christmas parties or, you know, sometimes the Christmas parties that other people throw, sometimes it's just the trees that you put in your own house. Like, you know, like we have a candy dish that comes out only around Christmas time that we fill with assorted, you know, it's the same candy, they just have a different wrapper, right? So it makes it, it, makes it acceptable. Uh, and we say that we're going to put it there for our guests. But, you know, I'm like, well, I live here, so, you know, I'm just going to treat my guest, guest myself. Uh, so anyway, but we're glad that you're here with us this morning. Um, I'm excited about this series. And, and, you know, even as we have already kind of gotten into the spirit of what we're going to be communicating throughout uh, our time together uh, in December, uh, it is so exciting for me. It is such a joy. It is such an amazing revelation and a simple one just to know that the light has come. Just say that. The light has come. It's come. I want to talk about what that means, but just for that simple revelation to be a reminder throughout this series, as we do face not just darkness around us, but the darkness that tries to creep upon our souls. It is not something that just happens at one point. God has called us to walk in the light daily. And I pray that by the Spirit of God that we would be able to receive and be transformed and be conduits of this very light. So this morning, would you go ahead and turn with me to the book of John, the Gospel of John. This is where our main text is going to be throughout this series. We're really going to be unpacking John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Specifically today, we're going to focus on 1 through 5 and, and, and really focus a lot on verse 5. But I want to start out here. The Gospel of John begins in this way. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you did not abandon us to darkness. Though we chose it, you pursued us with light. So God, I ask that you would help me in the moments that we have together this morning to remind 
ourselves to remind myself of the glorious gift, the glorious provision that has been sent to us, that has come to us so that we can walk in light and life for all eternity. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Caleb. All right. um, As a child, I had kind of a complicated relationship when it came to the dark. When I was real little, you know, I would struggle from time to time with this just petrifying fear of the dark. I don't know, anybody was scared of dark as a kid. It's okay, we can have confession time. We have a support group that's going to meet afterwards. Um, but I, I remember, you know, I would, you know, there were times, you know, and it was like, it wasn't so much monsters in the closet, because I didn't necessarily, it wasn't like I was afraid of the boogeyman. Some of you have known, I've told my story, like I grew up in a charismatic home. We were very, we were all about the supernatural. Like we had spiritual warfare week at my church. So it was even deeper than the boogeyman. I'm like, demons are real, right? I could deal with like Dracula. I'm like, I'm not worried about Dracula. I'm like up here talking about like principalities and, and come on somebody. You know, it's like, I'm like, some of this stuff, I'm like, I done seen somebody get a demon cast out of him. I was like, I just hope he didn't find my address to come visit me. So at night, I would often, when I was scared, I, you know, I had, you know, this, this thought that, you know, of course, if, if the blanket was over me, then nobody could see me, and, and, and it was like the hedge of protection. The hedge of protection was a cotton blanket. Um, but whenever I wanted to go to the restroom or I needed to get some water at times, if I really wanted to, I was too afraid to go by myself, and I called out to my brother, who was sleeping in the bed next to me, and I go, hey, Peter. And he wouldn't say anything. I'd say, Peter. And he'd go, huh, huh, what? And i go, are you awake? He's <laughs> like, I am now. And, and my way of dealing with it, if I could just get my brother to go and turn on the light, then I'll be good. Uh, because it was just too terrifying for me to take that walk from my bed to the switch. I know, it, it, it can be an irrational thing, but I remember as a child at times even having to go to the bath, bathroom so badly, but being so terrified of what might be in the darkness that I would almost rather just wet myself and lay in my mess than actually get up and turn on the light. My mom had to clean those sheets. That's why she said, well, <laughs> she knew it well. <laughs> But it was, just, it was just this, you know, this petrifying thing. Of course, you know, as soon as my brother would turn on the light, I would see that there was nothing there. There was nothing to be afraid of. Um, but yet that still, that fear just paralyzed me. Now, I remember later on, as I, as I would get older, uh, we were living in, um, in, in the Heron-Morton district, which was very different than what it is now. Lots of historical homes. It was a very nice, fancy way of saying old as dirt. Um, and, and the homes, they were older, they were nice, but you know, the thing about the older homes is that they don't, they're not very insulated well. Um, you know, it's kind of like central air and central heating is kind of a waste because you're just pretty much like air conditioning the neighborhood or heating the neighborhood. So, but, but one of the things about, you know, those older homes is at times because of the cracks and all of this, you know, in the little crannies, when it got cold, a lot of times the, you know, what was cold outside liked to come inside. 
and, and bugs sometimes. And um, I remember, you know, I'd get up and I'd go to the restroom. At this point, I didn't mind, you know, walking in the dark. That wasn't a problem. But the challenge at this point was that oftentimes, you know, we had a couple seasons where during this wintertime, uh, there would be roaches that liked to come. And when I would turn on the light to go to the restroom, I'd see those little jokers scurrying around. And it was easier for me to keep the light off so that I didn't have to see what was living in the darkness than actually turn on the light. I had a complicated history with darkness. Then I remember around the similar time as I was, you know, around 10, I think, you know, I grew up in the city, I was a city kid, and my mom's side of the family, they lived on, in the country at this time. And we were going to a family reunion, and there's dark, and then there's country dark. <laughs> right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Country dark. Like, no street lights. This was before cell phones, so not even cell phone lights. It was dark. And I remember going out here, you know, you know you're in the country when, like, there's not even a paved road. Like, you go off the road, there's no lights. You're like, are, are, are we going to see Jesus tonight? Like, is that, is, is that what this is? This is that family reunion? I thought we were going to wait until I got older, but whatever. But we get out there, and we open our station wagon doors. And I remember it was so dark, I could not see my hands in front of me. And it was like, I was, you know, I could, kept looking at my hands. I'm like, it's so dark. But when I looked at the sky, I could not believe the stars. I'd never seen stars like that in my life. I, I remember asking my mom, do we have these at home? I was amazed at the brilliance of the light in the stars. And I just laid on a blanket and stared and looked around. And I remember thinking, why have, how has this been here all this time and I haven't seen it? You know, this morning, I'm just reminded that humanity has a complicated history with the dark. From the very beginning, it said that the earth was out form and void, that deep darkness covered the earth. And even after God created this most beautiful place for us to live and to cultivate and to grow, gave us perfect fellowship with him and with one another, the enemy, Satan, in the form of a serpent, came and tempted humanity, and humanity took the bait. And in a moment, a world that knew no brokenness, knew no shame, a people who had only known the light of God, Adam and Eve, who had known and walked with God, experienced perfect fellowship, Immediately, darkness was welcomed in. And it permeated everything. And because of that darkness, all humanity was condemned with the most devastating STD of all time. 
that from one birth to another, the stain of sin and darkness would be transferred. And we see this in the world all around us. We know you don't have to really even turn on the news very much to realize the darkness that lurks. To see broken families, broken cultures, broken countries devastated by darkness. There's also not just the darkness that is around us, but if we're honest with ourselves, we recognize that we are the sons and the daughters of Adam. That we were stained and have been stained by the mark of darkness and the sins and the brokenness that were transferred are something that we have to deal with. The reality is, just like those roaches, sometimes it's a lot easier to live in darkness rather than to expose the stuff and the junk that's growing around us. Rather than actually acknowledge the brokenness in our own lives. And yet, if we would come into the light, if we would allow God to shine his glorious light, if we would receive the light of the world in Jesus and allow him to do what only he can do, we would find ourselves walking and living, I believe, in not just life and freedom, but a wonder that we've never experienced before. This morning, I want to title this message, The Light Comes, The Light Shines, and The Light Conquers. First of all, the light comes. I want us to know this morning, when John is talking about Jesus, I love that you see this contrast of beginnings. You see, we see in Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning God created. But John 1, 1 is coming before Genesis 1. And that before there was the creation there was God. And before any of us, before any darkness had entered your heart, the light of the world was present. The very provision for our redemption had already been set in motion. You know, when I looked up at those stars, one of the things that fascinated me, you know, I worked I was a volunteer when they had this museum apprentice program at the Children's Museum of Indianapolis. It's back in the day. They don't have this anymore. But anyway, you could, especially it was a ton of homeschoolers that would do this. Uh, Word up. Uh, But one of the areas, one of the new exhibits that they had was the planetarium. And I was fascinated with the stars and the planets. This is just an amazing thing to me. And one of the things that blew me away was this whole concept of the speed of light and light years. And the fact that when you look up, and, and as I was a little boy laying on a blanket in the field, and I don't even know, it was in Modoc, Indiana. It was someplace. You just don't want to get lost there. Um, as I was laying back there, and I'm looking up, and I'm gazing at this light that's shining at me, that the stars and the light that I was seeing revealed from these stars 
was actually, because of the speed of light, what I was seeing was a light that was released hundreds if not millions of years before then. That I was seeing a light revealed to me that actually had been released long before I even knew that darkness existed. And John is communicating to a people and what the word is communicating to us is yes, there's darkness around us. Yes, there's darkness in us. But before that, God so loved us that he had provision from the start. You can get excited about that. The light has come. That when Adam and Eve took the temptation, when they fell, it wasn't like God was like, oh, man. All right, quick Trinity huddle. Um, what are we going to do? Man, it was like Holy Spirit wasn't like, hey, uh, you know, I, I could go like, you know, just encourage them. Comfort them. It, it, no, it, it wasn't like they drew straws and they were like, sorry, Jesus, you got the short one, man. You got to go die. Like, <laughs> I'd have totally done it, but you got the straw. No, Th- that's not our God. It wasn't, Jesus was not plan B, he was plan A. Jesus was the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. And it was his desire and his good provision to come. I love how 1 Peter 1, 20-21 says, He was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but was made manifest in the last times, the last days for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Jesus, the light of the world, was the provision of God for our salvation and the freedom out of our darkness. The light has come. Now, what does the light do? The light doesn't just come. Light shines. John 4.1 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In verse 5, the first part says, The light shines in the darkness. Lights shine. If a light doesn't shine, it's broke. I know I'm saying plain things this morning, y'all. I just. But light shines. That's what it does. When I was terrified, of getting out of my bed, and I called out to my brother, and he flipped the switch. The lights worked, and so because they worked, there wasn't a battle. It wasn't like, it was like, uh, and there was like a slow dim, and the darkness was fighting. No, the light, the switch was flipped, the light came on, and it was done. Light shines. Light reveals. Light brings life. The light of God, Jesus, when his light shines upon us, he reveals his provision, his grace, his goodness, his love, and all of the things of fear that tries to condemn us and keep us hidden in darkness and covered in darkness are exposed because light shines. So if his glorious light is so great, why is it that we choose darkness? Why is it that when I was walking around my house 
sometimes it was easier to walk in darkness than to face what was exposed in the light. It's because when light shines, shame cosigns. The darkness can't deal with light. It can't. It says it in verse 5, the second half of it, it says, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's what the ESV says. In the KJV it says, the darkness comprehended it not. Darkness can't handle light. There's not a battle. There's not a struggle. When the light is on the scene, it is revealed and it shines. And anything that has been covered in darkness is exposed. Now what the problem is, is that many times when that light shines, we focus on ourselves and our problems instead of the light itself. You know, I I know you probably can't tell this, but I think I'm legally blind in a few states. The extent that I have to go to get lenses that aren't the size, like this thick, and just kind of like two telescopes on my eyes are ridiculous. I I think it's like they use like space-age technology to get these things down. And so when I don't have them on, I don't really see very well. And so, you know, when I'm getting ready in the morning, even if I'm showering, sometimes, you know, I'll turn on like a little light, but I don't really need a whole lot of light because I can't really see much anything. I'm like, oh, just a brighter blur. (laughs) And so when I'm getting ready, a lot of times you're like, I, I don't, you know, when I'm in the shower, I quite frankly, I can't see like how dirty the shower is. I can't see if there's like, you know, if, if the tiles are dirty. I can't see, you know, anything, you know, that's around. And Kelly will come in at times after, you know, maybe we, we haven't, you know, cleaned the bathroom in a minute. She goes, did you, did you see how dirty the, the shower is? It's like, no, I, I couldn't see it. I didn't recognize it. And then you see it and when you realize you're like, man, I got to do something about this. And many times, it's like we don't, it's easier for us to just not deal with it. That old adage that ignorance is bliss. And so the things that we know are there, we will ignore them, we'll hide them, we'll cover them up. Because though the darkness cannot overcome the light, the darkness overwhelms us. We don't know what to do with it. Now I think about Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah and his call to ministry in view of this holy God. He looks at himself. And one of the very painfully obvious things is how far he was from God. Here is this grand holy God who is no one like him. And he says, woe am I, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. It can be an overwhelming thing to acknowledge our brokenness, to acknowledge our anger, to acknowledge our shame, to acknowledge our lust, our greed, to acknowledge our racism, to acknowledge our ache, the things that have happened in our world 
that maybe we didn't have anything to do with and the things that have grown in the darkness that we know we had a lot to do with. When I was younger, around eight, I was very innocent. I was homeschooled, grew up in a great home. And in a moment, found myself in a situation with a neighbor, a neighbor's kid, as a matter of fact, where I was sexually abused. I didn't sign up for that class. I didn't volunteer for that, per se. I don't even know. When I look back at it, I've asked myself a million times, God, how did that happen to me? Remember, immediately the enemy began to spew his lies of shame because he knew that if he could just get me to feel that shame and he could keep me in the darkness, he could keep a hold on me for the rest of my life. And that lie was, this happened to you because you weren't man enough. You weren't smart enough. You weren't strong enough. You weren't godly enough. If you were those things, maybe it wouldn't have happened to you, but you weren't. And that shame that it attached itself to me, it would always tell me any time I wanted to come to the light and tell somebody, don't you dare. They will despise you. They will be disgusted by what they see. So it was easier to keep that hidden than to expose it. I know some of us in here, you carried things, shame that has been attached to you because of something that was done to you. And it is overwhelming, and it can suffocate us to acknowledge it. Now, because I am not just a victim of Adam, but I am a son of Adam, the darkness that I've dealt with and have had to deal with has not just been about what's happened to me. It's been about what I've decided to do. And I want you to be very fully aware that the Scripture says, all have sinned. That means you. That means me. That means at some point, I can't just blame everybody else for what I'm dealing with. I have to acknowledge the sin and the brokenness in my own life. And that, at times, can be even harder because I can't deflect it on somebody else. I gotta take credit for that crap. And I wish, I wish repentance was a one-time thing. Just to bring some clarity, the gift of salvation by the grace of God is a once and for all work. You don't have to get frequent altar miles every time you mess up. There's a finished work that Jesus did. But part of his finished work, of course, I'm speaking right now to those who have given their lives to Jesus because sometimes what the trap the enemy gets us in is we get saved, we surrender our lives to Jesus, we come and we start walking in the light, and you know what else happens? We mess up. And what the devil says is, see, 
See, I told you you weren't free. I told you you were still addicted. I told you you'd never be better than your father. Don't let anybody know. And all of a sudden, we just went from free. It's like you get freedom, you walk out the door, and you're like, okay, put these back on. And we continue to walk in that shame. The light shines. But shame tries to co-sign. What do I mean is shame, the devil can't, darkness cannot overcome the light, so it will try to manipulate it and get you to focus on the problem and get you to focus on yourself and convince you that you've got to deal with it. I want you to know this morning that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not that we overcame the darkness. I know it might sound crazy right now, but stay with me. The darkness was not ours to overcome. It was God's. The light is what conquers the darkness. And so what happens is we think we got to work everything out. We think either we start trying to cover up and we start trying to figure out how do we, how can I manage my life and manage this thing so, so it doesn't get out of control and what you find and what you've probably found and what you're figuring out right now is you can't do it. You get overwhelmed. And we try to do all these things hoping that we can figure it out before the light comes instead of realizing that the light came because the light conquers. The light conquers. As I said before, the scripture says in John 1, 5, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness does, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. It cannot overcome it. We can't save ourselves. We will not win in the light by staring at ourselves, by staring at our problems. The gospel is not that we came to Jesus. It's not that we figured it all out. It's that he came to us. The word made flesh, the logos, launched from majesty and the majesty of heaven. He landed into the maladies of our condition. He journeyed from the glorious splendor of the throne room to meet us in a mangy animal house, to meet us in our darkest room of shame. I'm so thankful that Jesus met me in my dark place. I'm so thankful that he meets me in my dark places. I know right now, even as you hear this, that there are people here who the last place you think that God would want to be is in your place of darkness. The last place. And it's like you invite people, you know, I don't know if you've ever had like when you had company over, if things weren't like super clean, 
you just try to take all the stuff and shove it into a side room. You're like, nobody's going to see that. Just put everything in there. And I think sometimes we try to do that with God as we think he, he comes over and we take all of our stuff and we just try to shove it to the den. And we only want him to hang out in the living room. And he comes over and he's kind of like the curious neighbor. He goes, oh, what's back there? He's like, no, oh, nothing, nothing. It's just, you know, washing machine. It's just, you don't want to, no. No, I want to come right there. You know, the light comes. He, he, he came not to just be celebrated and paraded. He came to step into our despair. The light of Jesus comes to sit next to you. Not just after you've done something wrong, to be present with you when you're in your shame. He loved us so much that he left the circling chorus of angels singing holy, holy, holy to step into the gladiator ring of our devouring lions only to hear us chant, crucify him. He loves us so much. He loves us so much that he took, he, he who knew no sin, came to us and he took the road to the cross and walked the most shameful walk of shame. Though it was none of his, he took ours on himself. And I'm telling you right now, the weight of that splintered wooden cross was nothing compared to the weight of our collective sins heaped upon him, breaking his heart, breaking his back, buckling his legs, and yet he still came. But he didn't just come. He didn't just come to shine for three or for 33 years that he was on the earth, the light came to conquer. He would allow himself to be buried in a borrowed tomb designed to house the rotting flesh of another man. But not only could the darkness of that tomb not contain him, but it almost served as a, as a time travel device as his light would overcome the power of sin and death for all time. I'm amazed that in a moment, the work of Christ was complete. That all who had gone before, all who were present and all who would come after, death had been defeated. Sin and darkness was overcome. See, we get free not because we figure it out. We can't. We get free. We not only allow the light to shine, but we let the light do what it does. He is conquered. Our hope is that he has conquered the world. That Jesus 
has done the work that he was sent to do. When we allow Jesus to reveal his grace and his goodness and his love and his forgiveness, when we surrender to him and allow him to not just expose the sickness and expose the disease and expose the problem, but reveal his grace and reveal his healing and reveal his provision and reveal his love, there is a freedom and a wonder that opens us up. We become transformed. We become new. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we become carriers of that light. You see, Jesus, after he victoriously rose from the dead three days later after he was buried, he rose as a conquering king. And with pierced hands, he gave pierced hearts new hope and life. But when Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, he sent Holy Spirit so that you and I would not just be those who would chase the light, but that we would walk in the light. That his light would fill us and permeate every area of our lives. That we would be consumed, that we would, that we would glow, that we would shine brightly, not because of what we had done, but what he has done in us. It's he who has conquered darkness. It's he who's here today to meet us in whatever place we find ourselves. See, sometimes when we think about this light, and I know it just is a sh- I talked about shame, is maybe you grew up, and whenever you think about light, or whenever you think about the light of God shining on it, you think of, you know, someone trying to expose you. It's like if you've watched the show Cops back in the day and, you know, they go on these ride-alongs and they bust into, they have a drug bust and they start shining the light and you see all these people caught and, and they arrest them. And we can almost feel and have this wrong perception that the light was meant to conquer us instead of understanding that the light that God brings to us, he's on a search and rescue mission. He's not here to embarrass you or to shame you. He brings his light to rescue you, to destroy the works of darkness, to shame the devil, not you, and to set the captive free. And as I said before, it's not a one-time thing. This morning, you might find yourself in a dark place. Kayla, you can come on back up. Maybe you have been living and walking in darkness and that's all you've known. You've been overwhelmed. It has consumed you. It's consumed your mind. You've tried to manage it. Maybe even there's been times where you went to a church setting or you heard There was a conduit of light, a Christian that came and interacted with you and and just the little light that they revealed hurt your eyes because you were used to being in the darkness for so long and you've only felt shame around the church. And today I want you to know that God has not come to shame you. He's come to save you. 
His light is here today to shine. I know when the light has come up, it can cause us to squint and to shudder, but if you can just wait, if you can fight by the grace of God, the urge to shut down and to close up, but allow him to not just reveal your need, but to reveal his provision, you will never be the same again. This morning, I want you to have an opportunity to receive Jesus. But I also want to pray for those of us who have received Jesus. Because I know that shame is ruthless. Shame doesn't just wave the white flag when you come into faith in Jesus. I feel like it actually goes into overdrive. It can get you in this captivity into this dogmatic, legalistic walk of, of hiding and manipulating and shifting. If we are walking in the light, what we find is there will be a, it's like a, a rhythm where the longer we walk with Jesus, the longer we walk with his light, the closer we get, the more it reveals See, there are things in my life when I first began to walk with Jesus that I didn't even know about myself. But the closer I got, he said, hey, I notice you're struggling with that. I got provision for that too. Now, usually the devil, I would see something and go, ah, you're horrible. And then I would say, oh, God doesn't want to see this. I'm not supposed to have that. And cover it up. I'm just terrified. You know, some of us, you might have the courage to come and repent, receive the light of Jesus. Some of you this morning, you might be like I was as a kid. You need to call out to a brother. Or sister and say, hey, can you turn the light on? Because I'm terrified. I don't know how to deal with this. And yet, his grace is here. God wants you to walk in freedom. Bow your heads. First of all, I want to pray for those. You're here this morning, and you know that you have not received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. That You've been walking in darkness. You've been walking in your own way. You have been the boss of your life, and you have been a slave to sin. You've been marred by the stain of sin of Adam and Eve. And no matter what you do, you can't get out of it. The provision of God is here for you today. The scripture tells us that if we receive, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and that we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. 
We have to receive him as Lord and Savior. What does that mean? He's the king and the rescuer. There is no salvation without a new king. He wants to come and conquer the dragons, the monsters, the things that have reigned and ruled over us. That's what he came to do is to be the deliverer. But it requires surrender. That we believe that Jesus, you are the son of God. You were sent to live the life I should have lived, that you died the death I should have died in my place, and you were raised on the third day, proving once and for all that you were the Son of God and providing forgiveness and eternal life to all who would accept and believe. If that's you, you say, I want this light. I want to receive Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. I don't want to continue in darkness. I want to receive and surrender to the light. If that's you, just raise your hand right where you are. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Amen. Wherever you are, just raise your hand. Praise God. This morning, if you're here and you say, I'm a child of God, I know I've given my life to Jesus. But I also know that there's been things in my heart, things in my life that I've been trying to hide. And, and, and though I have the light of God, it's, there's, a, there's this dark room in my soul. And I've carried this and I've carried this and it's eaten away at me and I'm tired of it. I want to walk in freedom. I want to walk in life. I don't want this shame to have power over me anymore. If that's you, you say, I want to receive the full light of Jesus. Just go ahead and raise your hand right where you are. I know it requires courage to raise your hand right now. Come on. So many brave people around this room. God honors you. Father, I just stand with my brothers and sisters that have raised their hands. You can put them down. Lord, I thank you that you've given them the grace to respond to your word. And Lord, you did not call them, you have not shown your light on them to, to embarrass them, to shame them, to humiliate them. But your light has come because your provision and your love is great. And so Holy Spirit, I thank you right now that you're meeting them exactly in that place. If you raise your hand, we're still with everybody's heads bowed. If you raise your hand, I just... I just want you to picture right now that place, that situation. And I want you to just see Jesus sitting with you right there. See, God doesn't wait for us to come out. He comes in. And he's coming in right now into that situation. Lord, bring healing. Lord, bring freedom.
Go ahead and raise your heads. If you didn't raise your hand today, I would just say, in all honesty, you will raise your hand someday. Because all of us, the closer we get to God, the more he's going to call us to surrender to him. And my prayer is that when his light comes, he's not calling you to manage it. He's calling you to repentance. He's calling us to surrender. If you've been here any time, you know that we say the church is the family of God. And that process isn't something you have to do alone. That's part of why we want to walk together in covenant community and walk together as people who love each other. Because every one of you who raised your hand today, that next step is not just making it known to God, but coming to someone who you trust, who you love, who loves Jesus, and saying, hey, I need help. Exposing it to the light. Not letting it wreck your life any longer. Not letting it hide. Not letting it fester. And knowing that I'm sharing this now. And you know what? You're going to probably need to share something later. And I'm here for you. Y'all hear me this morning? This is just like life. This is, this is life stuff. It's the cycle. And if we can get in the right cycle then what we find is we shine brighter and brighter. We become more and more like Jesus. His light has come. It shines. I see the things it's shining on. I recognize it. I repent. I receive his grace. And now I'm more like him. And I walk down the road and all of a sudden I realize, oh, here's another area. Dang. That's been hanging around since sixth grade. I didn't realize. Lord, hey, friend. I need to talk to you about this. Can we pray? Let's, let's shine God's light on this so I can begin to walk in new grace. And then we get new freedom. And now I've gotten freedom in an area. I can help somebody else who's walking in that area. They can get free too. And it's not because we're super Christians. It's not because we figured it out. It's not because we got ourselves together and we came to God. It's because he came, he shone, and he conquered. This whole month, we're going to be talking about His glorious light. City of Lights is not just a name. It's not just something to be catchy. It's about the call that God has called us to receive Him and to be who He's called us to be. So I'm excited about what God's going to do. I would encourage you, invite people, especially, and, and not just, I'll just be very plain. Like, if God sent you here from one way or the other, however God sent you, we're glad to love on you. We're glad to serve you and, 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 and be Christ's community. But we're not really trying to, like, reshuffle the deck of Christians attending churches around the city of Indianapolis. I'll just be plain. Like, if God sent you, God bless you. But ultimately, we came to reach those who are far from God, who are broken, who are lost, who are in darkness, and who are desperate for Jesus. And so that's the person I want you to invite. 
Invite that person. That person you are like, they are the least likely that would show up. They will probably cuss me out rather than come to church. I dare you to try. If they cuss you out, you knew it anyway. So you were ready. But invite them. It's amazing, especially during this season of time. People will show up at least one time if they're asked personally. We can send out tons of social media shares. and You invite one person personally. They're so much more likely to come. Invite people to come. Jesus would shine in the darkness. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for this beautiful people, this people who you care for, this people who you've come for, this people who you are transforming. Lord, I ask that you would help us, Lord, that you would help us to walk in your truth, that you'd help us to walk in your light, that you'd help us to walk in your freedom. Lord, I pray that we would be compelled by your light, even as your light pursued us. You didn't wait for us to come to you. You didn't wait for us to cry out in the darkness. From the beginning of the world, you came for us. Lord, I pray that we would be compelled with that sense of urgency. Lord, that we wouldn't be waiting for someone to ask. We'd pursue them with love. Lord, we wouldn't be waiting for someone to beg to be served, that we would lead with service, Lord God. Lord, that we wouldn't be waiting for the, for the darkness to be so ominous, but Lord, that we would come against and we would stand against the darkness that's coming on our campus, that's coming in our business, that creeps into our home, that's coming, that fights for our soul. Lord, help us to receive and to walk in your light. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.